welcome to the Blackcast. Yes, I'm Christian Black. Joining me now is David Elfson of Megadeth and the band Elfson. David, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me again. I appreciate it. And You're also welcome. joining us is Elfson uh, vocalist Tom Hazard. Hey guys, thanks again for uh, for joining me. <laughs> I like the yeah. excitement. And uh, Tom, before we're done, I was just mentioning this to Dave. There are several things I'm going to ask you about that are uh, behind you. I just there's a oh. giant there's a giant Spider Man and some other stuff. There, there is, there is. He's over there. I, I have. You should see my my whole house looks like this too. It's not even just my office. Like it's insanity at this point. Yeah. However, well, I was going to ask you about some of the ones like the blue whale. Looks like you've got some nice children's painting. I know. I know. I like, like that. I like yeah, that. No, this is, uh, you know, th th this is just uh, the artistic expression of myself at 44. I thought that I <laughs> even better. That well. <laughs> yeah, these uh, the majority of these are from my five year old son and uh, my two year old daughter. And uh, th there are other angles I can use. I just kind of yes. like this one. With, yeah, yeah. The, with the kids Hey, we on. can hire him to do album covers in about 10 years. So it's perfect. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I think uh, I think we need to have, uh, you know, an elementary school plus head out there, you know, so I exactly. think it's, uh, it's about time uh well i'm very excited to talk to you guys just in general but uh really excited about this no cover album uh personally me i like covers albums you know ace freely did one a couple years ago he has a second one coming out like in weeks mm -hmm. and i always think it's cool to hear these different takes on songs but it also tells you a lot about the musicians that what the what they've chosen to cover so how did this project come about for you guys Back in June, Tom and I were on the phone just assessing what the rest of this year was going to look like. And we have a, an Ellison solo record of mostly original material in progress. Uh, we put a couple songs out earlier this year. Back in April, we put out a song called Simple Truth. And then we did a reimagined version of the Post Malone song, Over Now. Um, and we kept on schedule to put those out because we had some Japanese and Australian tour dates that were supposed to fall in line right after that. But then, of course, with pandemic stuff, everything <laughs> was moved back till next year, uh, at least. Um, so, you know, Tom just said, he goes, you know, why don't we do some covers? And, um, you know, we just started spitballing yeah. on a half a dozen songs. And, you know, and like with everything you're, you know, in this world, you can kind of go, well, look, if worse comes to worse, we can just pop them out digitally. And, yeah you know, kind well, of make it, you know, that thing. And then it just took, took over from there. And yeah, I, I mean, originally we had, you know, when we were on tour in Italy last year, me and Andy and Paula were kind of, we were, we were talking about doing some covers for like Japanese B-sides and stuff for the record, which is where the Billy Idol song came from. I mean, me and our band and, 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 and we're discussing that like last year and we were on tour and David and that's kind of, so, and, and then, yeah, that idea of doing a handful of covers for like Japanese B-sides and extra stuff was just like, let's just do a cover record. Fuck it. So we did. And we just kind of picked all these great songs. A lot of it's stuff that David did pre-Megadeth, you know, like, like Motorhead, Love Me Like a Reptile. Uh, you know, Greg Handovit, who was in David's band back home in Minnesota. And now I... I that's how attached me and David are. I'm telling David's stories now, but Greg, you know, <laughs> like, like, like we got Greg Handovit to plan it. And a lot of it kind of goes back to David's really formative years before Megadeth playing in cover bands and, you know, some of the stuff that I grew up on and, you know, brought me here. Yeah, well, I want to start, I want to go through uh, some of the songs and it's a, I think it's a great assortment, a, a very, you know, some interesting deeper cuts from uh, some bands that everybody knows, uh, starting with the song that's the, the single, uh, Wasted, which is a Def Leppard song, but mm -hmm. uh, not one that people automatically think of because it's from On Through the Night. And uh, I think that, 
you know, Def Leppard does very well what they have done, you know, from sort of like mid to late eighties onward, but mm -hmm. uh, it's very easy to kind of forget just, you know, how much heavier those first records were. And uh, talk a little bit about the choice of that song. And uh, I understand that uh, Frank Hannon from Tesla has a little bit of a mm -hmm. guest on there and oh, yeah. talked to him a few, yeah. uh, about a month ago and he's uh, always such an entertaining character. So uh, yeah. it's great to work with him on this. Well, guys my age, and I'm 55, um, I don't need to do the Hollywood thing where I'm perpetually forever 30 um, or 29 years old, you know. But my guys my age, we all played Wasted in cover bands growing up. And, you know, there's, there's two Def Leppards. There's, in, in I think, my opinion, the new wave of British heavy metal Def Leppard, which is on through the night, and a bit of a transition over into high and dry. Um, and then after that, they very clearly were, you know, transformed into being a, a big arena uh, pop rock act um, and, and had guitars. So they, you know, there was a, a set, a part of it that it was retained. But, um, and, and I think it's pretty obvious because they don't play very much off of the early Def Leppard uh, <laughs> record anymore. They, you they know? literally just started playing Wasted in the yeah. last few years. I think yeah. they did the Vegas yeah. presidency. Yeah. They did it and... Yeah. yeah, and, and I, I had problem. asked, you know, I mean, you know, uh, just Hysteria alone has like, what, seven number one, not number one, but like top yeah. 10 singles. So it's tough to, you know, to leave. Well, here's and here's the funny thing. Probably my two favorite Def Leppard records are On Through the Night and Hysteria. I mean, so just just so you'd get yeah. the spread of, of that. And, and I and I guess probably High and Dry would probably fit right in there after that. I did not buy Pyromania. Ironically, that's the record that's probably Tom's favorite <laughs> Def Leppard record. He's, he's, uh, uh, for people just it. listening, he just brought, uh, there's some kind of commemorative version of Hysteria that he just- Hysteria, yeah. yeah. The yeah. crazy Hysteria box set. It's got, yeah, look at that thing. It's like eight <laughs> discs and a DVD. It's actually such a cool package. Yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah. And you know, one, one of my favorite memories with Def Leppard was, um, and I, is, I, I for, a, for a small, for a couple of years, 2007 to 2009, I actually played bass for Ronnie Montrose. And my friend Jimmy DeGrasso called me, got me the gig. And uh, two of the shows that we initially did right out of the gate were opening for Def Leppard. And it turns out Def Leppard put Ronnie on the gigs because, <coughs> excuse me, they needed a support act. And these are kind of one-offs. And they were huge Montrose fans. So um, we're in the dressing room at the arena in Jacksonville. And... Um, uh, J uh, Phil Collin and Joe Elliott walk in. And of course I'm, I was a Montrose fan. So I'm, but I'm in Ronnie's band. So we're kind of past the fan thing a little bit. Sure, and we're now yeah. we're just working professionals. And, but I'm definitely a, a huge Def Leppard fan, obviously. And, and they walk in and I'd never met the Def Leppard guys before. And they walk in and, and, I'm kind of fanboying on them. They're fanboying on Ronnie. And it was just sort of this, you know, multi-generational legacy. That, that continues now with me and us covering. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's, I think that's kind of the beauty of it is how this, how this goes, you know, um, and it just continues to hand down to the next generation. And, and, um, and it's inter interesting, you know, Megadeth, we were on tour in 2000, I think it was 2017. We did a show in Milan and last in line, uh, were opening for us, and and I was not yet aware of them, and and I of course knew Vinny Apice and um, Phil Suzanne and I really connected there on that date, and and um, uh, I went I I went over to to, to Vinny um, um, Vinny Campbell, and I I said uh, 
I said, it's so funny. Me and David Mustaine had just mentioned this week about how Megadeth and Def Leppard should do some shows together, like do a tour, <laughs> right? So right. it was just this funny meeting. And, 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 you know, and that's what he even said. He said, um, he said, yeah, you know, I, you know, it's funny in Def Leppard, we don't really go back to that first record. You know, we don't yeah. really do much back in that new wave of British heavy metal. I think kind of in Joe Elliott's eyes, he's, sort of you know the band has kind of for him has been more about the the bigger successes they had during the pop years yet well, you and, know, the, and the funny thing is phil wants to do heavier stuff and phil yeah. wants to you know yeah. phil did a guest did a guest appearance with one of my bands that was on one of my labels and it was a kind of heavier upbeat song he's like man i just love playing and me and phil actually did a cover of it's a long way to the top acdc for a movie soundtrack that actually never got used but i still have it floating around somewhere but phil Phil likes the heavy stuff, man. Phil's great. And, 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 and I, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I saw something on a Jackson Guitars Instagram takeover um, because I had done one and a couple weeks earlier, Phil had done one. And right away, one of the first riffs Phil starts playing is Wasted, which of course is not a track he played on. So he being right. in Def Leppard, he's a fan of it. But I, I get it. I mean, look, it's in, like in Megadeth, you know, Killing Is My Business has become this sort of sleeper cult classic. Um, over the years, and and I'll I'll talk to Dave about it. I'll just say, man, that record because we we've reissued it three times now, and finally we called it the final kill. Like we're done. We are not going to reissue <laughs> the record anymore. But it's funny how you know young fans, um, like you know teenagers and stuff, they love Killing Is My Business. And to me and Dave, it's kind of this record is like. You know, it was kind of the one that got us going, but it's not one that we after you know once we started making our our probably more successful records. We felt better about the songwriting and the production was better on those records. And so we kind of just left killing is my business a little in the background. And, and yet we get fans all the time who want to hear us play stuff from it. So I totally get, you know, the comparison with, with Def Leppard and that, yeah. again, that first record. And I think that was kind of part of our, our discussion. I mean, you know, it's funny. I'm the one who brought up doing a Def Leppard song. We're both big fans. Just I'm a little younger than Dave. Like I'm, 10 years behind Dave. So we're just from different eras. Like my first Def Leppard record was Pyromania. And obviously I love Hysteria. And then I kind of went back and discovered High and Dry and On Through the Night. And we both were like, let's do, you know, new wave of British heavy metal Def Leppard. And what, I mean, again, and what, what better song than Wasted? And then kind of the idea for the cover sort of came from that. I don't know if you've seen the cover, but it's a, it's a, a very loving homage to the On Through the Night cover, you know, a, a yeah, similar truck. Yeah, yeah except, except David's yeah, bass is in the back. And, and again, that's just a loving homage to, we're like, look, we're doing a cover record. We might as well cover a cover too. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that that's a great idea. Uh, and uh, I, I want to talk about the, the rest of the band in general, obviously. Uh, and there's a ton of people that you've already- I, I mean, Wait, wait, you, you don't want to talk about Def Leppard for the entire interview? Believe me, actually I do. I just feel like uh, that, uh, you know, we, we could get bogged down in it for yeah. a while. Yeah, although, you know, to be fair, the, the thing that you're saying about Def Leppard, they, they are one of those bands that it wouldn't be shocking to see them tour with Megadeth. And then of course they did like a, a you know, they did a one of those double bill tours a couple of years ago that yeah. I went to with Journey. And it was like, but, but some nights David, Journey closed, David. some nights Def Leppard closed. It's like, yeah, it's, you know, so uh, I think that there's- a and, saw that tour and it was amazing too but david's right joe kind of tries to distance def leppard from the metal thing and the heavier yeah. stuff so unfortunately i think that would but god megadeth and def leppard what a great tour that would be yeah no, let's no, start no. a petition 
We'll start an <laughs> online petition yeah. during just, the pandemic. Just as soon as they're <laughs> touring again. That's Maybe we can do a virtual and, tour, one night only and, online, and then it's and, over. Yeah. And they can call it the Megadeth Tour. I mean, come on. <laughs> the Megadeth right Tour. Itself. Yeah. Well, no, they've got to make up the tour that they had to cancel for this year because I feel like they might have sold a couple of tickets to that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The one with Motley Crue and Poison. It's kind so, of big, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, talk a little bit about, uh, the, the rest of the band. I know that, uh, Bumblefoot is in the band and yeah. he obviously people know he's this great guitarist, but he seems like such a, you know, I guess because he goes by a nickname by, by Bumblefoot, he seems like this mysterious character, but it's also, I remember hearing he was touring as like the vocalist for Asia last year. So yeah, he was, yeah. You know, he just seems like such an interesting guy. So talk about how you guys got to know him and he, you know just collaborating is. with him you know me i think me and david both met him kind of on our own i became friends with him i helped him put out some of his records uh the last record little little, uh, little brother is watching we put out on emp and kind of distributed that for him and, and yeah we just kind of came out him and david were friends i think he did some stuff with metal allegiance too right and then mm-hmm. yeah he came out on 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 you know one of our earliest tours where this whole thing started kind of by accident. David went out and did bass story, which was just kind of him. First, we did it with two of our bands on combat and they kind of just backed up David. And then we went out as kind of a more solo thing, like storyteller thing. And then it ended up just jamming. And he, one night he needed somebody to sing Megadeth songs. So I went up and did peace cells and it turned into, you know, so yeah, Ron ended up coming out with us and, and Dave Sharp and Opus from dead by Wednesday and Clayton from hatchet. And slowly it became, a band and that became the kind of u.s touring band and then we you know we we connected with andy martin jelly in, in italy and, and paulo creedy who are amazing and that kind of formed with bumblefoot kind of formed the core of the real ellison recording band that became like the band now you know and it's so everybody's so talented ron ron is so much more than just a guitar player i mean he's an amazing vocalist an amazing singer i mean you know, every time I say I, I, I sing a song, I'm like, man, this is so great, but it just needs something. And then Ron just sings like two things on it, and it's like the heavens open, and you right. know, it's great. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, and so then you guys have mentioned the the actual band, but uh, but David, talk about just some of the the guests on this uh, this album. I think that you know, obviously, you'll know plenty of people who would want to be a part of you know anything if you ask. Mm-hmm. But the idea of like hey, here's some covers we're doing. That probably, you know, it piques a lot of interest of like, oh my God, I really want to play on that song or that, you know, that's Yeah, song. well, and this thing did not start as an all-star record. No. Um, it started with us just, you know, me and Tom just riffing on what songs we wanted to do. It started with probably half a dozen of them. You know, then we got to things like um, Queen, you know, and for me, the two Queen songs would either be Death on Two Legs or sure heart attack and we and sure heart attack was you know, was such a great one but my first thing was well, who's going to sing it and that's when tom said we goes why don't we have bumblefoot do it and i was like oh my god there you go he can do it so yeah. he did and then tom added added to that we had doro add to that so yeah. um you know it it it's you know part of me i wanted to get a female voice involved in particular on that song and doro we had just worked with her on the monsters of Ro- or i'm sorry on the on the mega cruise um back in october and so it's great to just reconnect with her. You know, Megadeth and Warlock had, had toured back in the 80s, late 80s together. Um, and then, you know, Tom happened to be on the phone with Charlie Benante about an unrelated uh, conversation. And, and Charlie was talking about how he was, you know, frustrated. Like a lot of people are trying to make records, writing, you know, um, 
Um, and Tom just extended. He said, well, hey, do you want to play in a few tracks with me and David? We got this covers record. So he jumped right in. Yeah. Um, we, we talked about, uh, you know, I don't know, somehow Al Jorgensen's name came up, you know, and because he's, Al's this sort of aloof, mysterious, dark figure that looms in this awesome industrial metal, heavy metal, you know, he's uh, the, like, the metal industrial complex. I call yeah, it. It's, it's like, you know, metal people like Al, the sort of the, the, the industrial crowd, which is very unique into itself. And yet in the early origins of ministry was kind of very almost poppy a little bit, yeah. you know? So, so, you know, to, to connect with Al and I just gone down to see him when he came through Phoenix a few months ago. And, and so to connect with him and, and to get him to participate and, you know, like there's, there's a few people like that, that not only are these songs very kind of unique in particular, because it's not a very traditional cover record um, by the song selection, but also to get the guests involved, you know, with Jason McMaster, it was great to get Dave Lombardo to play on a track. Uh, Dave McLean, um, who's in Sacred Reich, he had a great career with Machine, Machine Head. Head for a long time. Yeah, you know, so again, so to get these these uh, men and women who, you know, have these very kind of eclectic yeah. I mean, careers, look, for, I think. Frank this. And, and that's how it started, was just a couple people, and then, you know, you know, we started talking to Brandon Yeagley from Crowbot, and he was on a couple songs, and Jacob Bunton, who sings for Mick Mars and his solo band, actually did some mm. vocals on Wasted, and uh, Mark Slaughter's on it. Um, I mean, it's just such a laundry list of amazing people. Frank Cannon, Troy Laqueta from Tesla, um, Greg Handovit, uh, Jimmy DeGrasso, uh, Andrew Freeman from Last in Line, who actually... There's a couple songs that I was supposed to sing, and I don't know if you know this, but in the middle of making this record, I had a heart attack. My heart stopped, and yeah, so it took me out of commission for like two weeks, and, I, and there was a, you know, definitely some recovery time, and that, that was just like two months ago, not even. So there's a couple songs that I was supposed to go and sing, and you know, like, like we did Over the Mountain, and Andrew sang it, and I was going to throw vocals over it, and do stuff with him. And I'm like, fuck it. We'll just put Andrew's version on it. So like <laughs> that and sweet FA, um, uh, uh, David's friend, uh, yeah. uh, from, from slash Todd yep. Kearns, Todd Kearns, Todd Kearns yep. saying that. And that's amazing. It, it's, it's cool. A couple of these, even, you know, Jason McMaster saying riffraff, you know, it's funny. We, we were going to go back and forth. It's funny when I do ACDC, it sounds like Brian Johnson, like Jason McMaster is Bon Scott. So he's saying riffraff. <laughs> Oh, wow. And I'm and I'm like fuck it. Let's just use his. Like I have some background <laughs> vocals in the chorus, but I'm like I'm not gonna outdo Jason McMaster singing Bon Scott. Yeah. Fuck, let's yeah. let him do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, first of all, it's uh, glad to hear that you're uh, doing better, Tom. I, I actually hadn't. Uh, I didn't realize that. Uh, so uh, yeah. glad to, glad that you're uh, you're uh, sitting here with us talking today, and that you're able to record some stuff for the record. Uh, well, and it was funny. I texted Bumblefoot, and literally, I was laying in the house. I texted him. I'm like. So how ironic is it that last week we were recording a song called Sheer Heart Attack, and then I just had one. <laughs> and then he called me like, what? Because nobody knew yet at that point. You know, I was yeah. just kind of. See, it's a good, good, good thing we didn't do Death on Two Legs then. So we picked <laughs> right? the right song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. One of, so I've, I've heard a few of the tracks. One of them, uh, you mentioned Al Jorgensen, is the Alf Wiedersehen, the mm -hmm. cheap trick. Uh, and, you know, anytime I have to use a foreign language, I just say it as fast as possible because I don't think I, I even came close. But yeah. I think that that's, uh, I really like the, the, the sort of uh, high energy version you guys did and to me that song always seems like it's a great one to play like you know an end of a show if you're yeah. ever uh, touring with this but uh, yeah. talk about working with 
you know, you, you talked about this enigmatic Al Jorgensen from Ministry. Yeah. You know, uh, talk about working with him on that. And well, was was that his idea? Is that something like, oh, I would like to do that one? Or no, we we me and Tom talked about it, and it was, and you know, I think Tom right away just went, oh my god, if we could get Al Jorgensen, you know, for that very reason. And and I've known Al, and I almost toured with him back in the late two thousands. Me and Jimmy DeGrasso almost played in ministry. I was doing artist relations for PV at the time, and the timing for what just didn't work out for me. Um, to do it. But Al and I have remained dear friends and, and um, I'm one of the few people he's sort of uh, opened the door to let into his world, you know, and, and I get his world because I'm in a similar world with Megadeth, you know, um, in a lot of ways, Dave and Al are very much alike. They're, there's these very much larger than life figures um, and they create music in a very unique way. And it's music that touches a lot of people. Um, but there's a very closed off inner sanctum, you know, to, to our worlds. And, and so, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that Al was, was open to letting, you know, me bring Tom in, <laughs> um, and, and for that to really work and Tom and Al clicked. I mean, I, I don't think Tom has a bigger fan than Al Jorgensen, <laughs> the irony. And he, he told me that he said, he, he told me, he said, listen, brother, your singer, meaning Tom, he goes, he's great. I don't even know what more I could add to this, you know? So, I mean, right away, Al was, but Al is also very good friends with Cheap Trick. Um, Cheap Trick and, and, and Ministry are, are natives of the Chicago area, you know, Rockford and, and Al coming from Chicago. So, and Al is very good friends with those guys. And, and so, you know, I think that's one of the things when we did this, this record is, you know, I, me and Tom either know or are friends with, or I've toured with, pretty much most of these, these artists on the record. Um, and I think there was a quality level that we wanted to maintain and a spirit of these songs, because we know the, the authors of these songs are going to hear them, you know, be it either, yeah. you'd be it either Queen, uh, Randy Bachman. Um, yeah. Well, uh, even you know, whoever, Al, you know. Al, Al told me he sent off Peter Zander, Robin Zander, and he just freaked out over how great it was, you know? So, that, yeah. and that's it, you know? And even when I put him a holiday, we did holiday in Cambodia. And yeah. obviously Al and Jello play together in large. So he's like, oh my God, I'm going to send this mm. to Jello. I'm going to send this, I'm like. Yeah. Ironically, I think the last time I saw the Cheap Trick guys is when I was playing in Montrose. <laughs> we did a show, it was, <laughs> it, was, it was actually a corporate gig for Shell Oil. Wow. At a theater up in up in Walnut Creek, up by the Bay Area, and it was sure, it was yeah, Cheap yeah. Trick, Montrose, and War. Imagine wow, that lineup, wow. right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was as a fan, I'm just watching War going low rider. I just like, and uh, you know, the Cheap Trick guys are wonderful. They're just always just been super cool to you know to us Megadeth guys and stuff. So yeah, it's again, it's just another multi generational yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. No, no, that's right. Uh, and uh, one, the, one of the other songs, well, the only other song I've heard, I've heard three, are uh, Free Will Burning, which, of course, is from British Steel. Uh, I wanted I, to uh, talk a little bit. And, uh, Tom, I'm, I'm assuming that this was your idea. I noticed that in your version was. has the Halford scream at the beginning that is actually not in the original. Yeah. Uh, and, I actually went back and re-listened re re to the number to make that, sure that, that I remembered it correctly. Yeah, well, it, it was. Look, we spent. That's actually. It's actually on Defenders of the Faith, and we were last year. When we were on tour. We okay. listened to that record. Me and the band just listened to that record on repeat, man. And then we, <laughs> I, I said, look, we didn't. I think me and David did the thing with KK Downing last year, which turned into KK's Priest and all the stuff oh, sure. he's doing now. And you know, and I think we at first were just kind of avoiding doing a Priest song just because it would be so obvious after doing the thing with KK and and Les and all the stuff we did last year. 
and then and then we were pretty much done. I'm like, dude, we have to do a Judas Priest song. And yeah, and, and we just kind of picked that one. I know Andy, our guitar player, really liked it. We got McMaster, and he can just do ah, crazy, you know. But it's a little heavier. It's funny because it's kind of I kind of sing that more like Halford sings in Fight. You know, it's a little more yeah. aggressive, a little heavier. But then we got Jason with his crazy, you know, doing the crazy Halford. I, I love. I, I wish I would have known. I would have sent you the whole record. I'll send it to you after we're done. But I've, I've, oh, yeah. I have like a SoundCloud of the whole record I've been sending to people. Man, it's great. So have you seen the whole track listing? I mean, we well, did. There's, the list I have has one listed as a TBA. So there's well, something that's not announced, at least well, in the list that I was given. So Well, well, the TBA, I guess we can announce it because everybody knows Beth. We did Beth. By oh, okay, that, that I did see on there, actually. Yeah. Oh, there, oh, there you go. That was the, that, and I, I think Over the Mountain might not have been on that original track listing too, just because we didn't know what we were going to do because I couldn't. Yeah. Hadn't sang it yet. Yeah, because you mentioned you mentioned over the mountain earlier, and I'm like, I didn't I didn't think I saw that one. Yeah. So that, that one wasn't on be... there either. So, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. but we did. Uh, uh, well, we added "Eat the Rich" by Crocus, which right. turned out great. We did, uh, you know, "Love Machine" by Wasp. We did "Nailed to the Gun," "Fight," which is kind of the only kind of modernish song we did. But it's funny. Originally, we didn't have Judas Priest. We just had "Fight" on there, which <laughs> I love. David loves. And, you know, so that couple guys get a little double up. Rob Halford gets a double up with Judas Priest and fight and Lemmy or no fast Eddie Clark gets a double up with fast way and, uh, and a motorhead track. So, you know, one thing that was, you know, and and we put a little, we put a little dedication in the record to all the guys that weren't with us. And, and, and it was so heartbreaking to me as I was, I was going through making this list and, and just realizing so many guys from so many of these bands are gone. I mean, yeah. all pretty much all of Sweet, the mm-hmm. original lineup of Sweet. I mean, all of the original lineup of Motorhead is gone. I mean, it really kind of broke my heart putting that together. So, I mean, to me, this really is just a loving tribute to these bands that me and David both grew up with and, you know, forged us into what we are. I mean, look, and I'm still look around me i'm still immersed in this shit man i mean i have a i have a i have a room full of megadeth posters and i mean i'm, I'm a music fan you know what i mean this whole thing just came from me being a nerdy fucking music fan you know i mean that's kind of my deal you yeah. know and and i think david started out the same way but then you moved to la and you get in the band and you get kind of insulated from everything else and you're not really listening to music you're kind of more buried in creating it you know but look i'm still so immersed in music and 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 especially that music that i grew up on and really defined me and that's what a lot of this record is i mean it's basically that for me and david you know it's the stuff that kind of defined us as musicians and as fucking people you know yeah there's a there's a couple things uh, from there that i wanted to ask you about one you did mention that there, i did notice that there was a fight song on here and uh, i think that you know the majority of the other stuff i mean i might be off by a little bit it seems like most of it's from the 70s early 80s yeah. maybe yeah and, and all then, of it yeah and then that was just something newer so was it just as simple as like oh we really love that song let's let's just do Here, it here's how it happened i've literally on my pick up my phone one day and a youtube notification comes across my phone that says check out f5 nailed to the gun so i had a band called f5 uh post megadeth for me back in the 2000s for for a few years and we did a cover of nailed to the gun and, and jimmy degrasso had had recorded it and it and it you know played in the video and I right away I hit Tom and Andy Martin Jelly. I said, "Oh my God, we should do that fight song again. It's so good." And I called DeGrasso. I said, "Hey, dude, 
want to throw down that want to do a second round too so that's how that started and of course tom tom had already put a vocal down it was it was really great and degrasso hit me he said hey i've been i just did something with andrew freeman from last in line and he loves fight he'd love to you know participate somehow i said sure well look he can add something we'll find a place for him so he jumped in on it and and it just you know, again, it was kind of one of these come one, come all type of things, you know, I mean, we got to kind of strategically place people where they make sense, of course. But um, I think the first thing is, is when you're a fan of something and you're really into it, that makes your home. It's like Doro when we, when we, you know, we had her put that little nice harmony top thing on sheer heart attack. And, and, and we asked her, said, Hey, do you want to, you know, would you want to hang for a minute and put something on this motorhead track and she goes which one and i could tell it was sort of a like if it's too obvious maybe not but if it's something kind of a cool deep cut and 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 so tom said love me like a reptile she goes oh my god that is the perfect song you know and you could just yeah. almost hear her in her email yeah. with her german <laughs> oh yes i love it so this I, is perfect, I actually you know? read her email with her accent <laughs> yeah exactly and and she was dear friends with lemmy so sure, you know to yeah. sort of get her blessing on it you know as a as a as a close friend to lemmy and um, it was, it was cool. So, you know, again, when people, people kind of find their home again, Lombardo, you know, we just said Dave Lombardo, we said, look, these are the songs that, that I think that we think would, you know, that are available and, and would be kind of cool. And he picked Riff Rap and it's like, yeah. well, there you go. There's that, there's your home, you know? Yeah. Well, 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 the, which Charlie, which Charlie had already tracked drums for. So, but Charlie was a, we had big four drummers fighting over. <laughs> <AC-DC>. <laughs> and, uh, I, and, and we forgot to tell him, I, I sent him the record and he's like, those aren't my drums. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> and, like, and then I had to be the one to tell him that, oh shit. Yeah. Dave Lombardo wanted to, but Char- Charlie played on Holiday in Cambodia. He played yeah. on Off Beaters and he played on Sheer Heart Attack. Charlie had already played on three songs. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, cool. but. You, you've uh, kind of both referenced something that I was wondering, you know, when it comes to choosing, you know, obviously it's like, well, if we're going to do an ACDC song, there's a couple ways to look at this. Wow. How do we pick only one? Mm-hmm. But then for any of these artists, sometimes it's like, oh, I would love to do this song, but either one, maybe the song is too big or there's already a well-known cover by somebody. Did any of that come into play? Was it, were there ever a consideration of a different Judas Priest song, a different ACDC song, uh, anything like that? Yeah, there was. I mean, again, I think, you know, look, there, there was, as I call them, the bar standards, you know, and I've played them myself. We played some of them in Metal Allegiance. Sometimes I'll get around my friends and someone immediately just starts playing a Kiss song and everybody jumps in or, you know, someone plays... You know, let's face it, um, breaking the law is like my generation's stairway to heaven. You know, down, 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 down. It's, it's almost like smoke on the water. You know, it's become this, this riff that almost anybody can play. And it, that's, that's why the song's so popular. And so, you know, we just naturally as fans kind of gravitated away from, oh, well, that was the single. Like, that's kind of not, not what we yeah. want to do, you know. So we went for the deeper cuts, you know. Again, like BTO, we didn't do Taking Care of Business. We did... No. Not fragile, you know, which yeah. is a very and, and a lot cut, of this you know? stuff there really wasn't even I mean like, there's a couple of things. Def Leppard, we threw around a couple of different ideas. Mm. But most of it was just like let's do this song, like Tear yeah. It Loose. We did Twisted yeah. Sister Tear It Loose, and that was actually Eddie Ojeda's choice. I hit him up, I said, Hey, or I, I honestly I kinda wanted to do Burn in Hell or something from Stay Hungry, because that's kinda my era, but I love the, the entire Twisted Sister catalog. But I asked Eddie, I'm like, Hey, you wanna you want to play on a twisted song with us? And he's like, what song? And he's like, why don't we do tear it loose? And I'm like, 
fuck yeah, okay, I hit up David, yeah. and, and we did that. You know, so most of the stuff, it, it, it wasn't, there really wasn't much, of, like, Not Fragile, David called me and said, hey, I want to do Not Fragile. A lot of it were real specific songs that we just yep. picked what they were. You know, there was a couple where we went, yeah, no, back and forth, yeah. but most of these were pretty, came from a pretty specific place. Yeah, it wasn't like, well, we need a Queen song and a Judas yeah. Priest. You know, it was not that at all. These were very, yeah, like Tom said, these were very song-specific um, and, and as my experience in doing this, again, I've done some of this stuff with metal allegiance, you know, and in that band, it's very different because we don't have a singer, you know, at least in Ellison, <laughs> we have a singer, Tom's the singer, you know, and it was, and it was cool that Tom invited people to, to sort of duet with him and sing with him, you know, obviously Bumblefoot, Doro, Jason McMaster, you know, we had Mark Slaughter, you know, these are, yeah. they're, they're, they're friends of ours, you know, yeah. so it was fun. It was kind of like calling your buddy up and saying, Hey, you want to come over and lay down a vocal with me? Let's, let's yeah. jam. No, that's... It's like being 16 years old, except I'm calling all of my rock star idols from when I was 16 years old, going, hey, you want to come to my house and jam on a Kiss song, you know? I mean, yeah. Well, that, cool. that was actually the next thing I was going to mention. It's, uh, you know, one of the most unique Kiss songs you could have chosen. I, I mean, I guess if you wanted the most unique song, you could have picked like Just a Boy from the Elder, but that <laughs> yeah, we're not We're not going yeah. that deep. <laughs> we're not going Elder you, deep. Oh, so wait, you want people to actually listen to the record? Okay. <laughs> well, I, I agreed. When, when Tom said Beth, I went, oh my God, dude, that is, I mean, because Peter Chris always had the more rough, raw vocal, which I think yeah. we can all agree, Tom, that's his, his kind of the nature of his voice. And to sing a ballad, I mean, like that's yeah. fucking balls, man, to go out with a ballad, to go that far out and just hang. And our friend Tyson Leslie, um, who also plays keys for Vixen, and, and I actually saw him on Shiprocked. He was playing uh, behind Joey Belladonna when Joey was doing his journey set. Playing yeah. journey. So, I mean, I've seen Tyson in action, and he's just he's, he's magical on the keyboard. So... You know, he lined all that out. Tom sang it. And I, I literally, every time I hear it, just like the original, I get a shiver and almost a tear in the corner of my eye when I hear Peter Chris sing it. The same thing happens when Tom sang it. I was just freaking awesome, man. I just sat back and I hit, but right away, Tom, remember I called you, go, dude, you freaking, you brought a tear to my eye. You're like, you knocked that one out of the park, dude. That was really, really great, man. Uh, so. Thank you. And, and you know, the, the funny thing is I actually kind of based it on and I told David this after, I kind of based on the Eric Carr version from Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits, which is a little more melodic. And, yeah. you know, it's kind of a, a mix of the two, you know, but which is funny. I mean, a lot of people, unless you're a deep Kiss fan, don't even know the Eric Carr version exists, you know? But I didn't. And, you know, here's the funny thing. You know, we always say I'm a 70s Kiss fan. Tom's an 80s, 80s Kiss fan, right? So it's like I didn't even know that Eric Carr did one because I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was just for the smashes, thrashes, and hits. And I remember yeah. an interview with uh, Peter Chris once where they asked him about it, and he's like, uh, "Honestly, it was it's been great for my version of it because people are like, oh, there's a new one. Well, we're gonna play the original, you know." <laughs> but I, yeah, I always yeah, I, I'm also an '80s Kiss guy. My my yeah. brother had Lick It Up and Animal Eyes, and and yeah. those were the first ones that I that I got to hear. But uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, and it, so it's interesting because I was literally about to mention the idea of hearing somebody else uh, sing Beth. You know, I know that they've they've had Eric Singer sing it in more recent years, but the idea of somebody else doing it. So I, I'm very intrigued to to hear that one in particular. But since we're talking about Kiss, I, you referenced it earlier that as part of the Mega Cruise, there was this huge Kiss jam, and I was yeah. reading about it. Yeah, and awesome. this is literally like the one thing that uh, I guess everybody kept their cell phones away because I couldn't find any videos of it. And I was like, <laughs> there is a few. There's a few for. Well, I was specifically I looking for Doro singing "God Gave Rock and Roll to You," and, and, and uh, I got to sing it with her, which was yeah, uh, no, we were that's back. That's got to be great. 
So, and she asked me, we're backstage. She's like, will you come up and sing with me? I'm like, of course. Well, it's funny because Dora went for all the 80s Kiss songs. It is, and so it's funny. Here's how it started. So I, I sort of just raised my hand, you know, um, as a member of Megadeth to say, listen, I've been on a lot of these cruises. I think uh, some kind of an all-star jam would be really cool. It's always a highlight. And so as I, I started putting a set list together, and it, and it was looking too – Honestly, it was looking like something Metal Allegiance would do, and I did not want to do that because that's very specific how we do that, and it's and it's it's it works really well with that cast of of, of uh, players. And and add to that, certain people were coming on and off of the boat, you know, with uh, Armored Saints and when Lamb of God was on. So we had to kind of pick this one night we were sailing the sea, and um, and so I, I I hit Frank Bellow. I said, dude, what do we what do we do here, man? Like I need some help, and he said, he goes, well. You can always do kiss songs, man. Everyone loves. loves <laughs> and I thought, dude, that is freaking brilliant. Yeah. And so, and then ironically, Charlie Benante, you know, Frank's drummer, um, you know, and Anthrax, you know, we, we actually really became, Frank became, or I mean, so Charlie became my kind of my musical director with it. Cause obviously I was busy doing a handful of other things as well on the boat. Um, and so we, he, we did, we did more than a handful of things on that damn boat. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we were busy, you know, to the time at Doc, you know, with various clinics and master classes and stuff, you know, sure. acoustic things and whatnot. So, so Charlie really became, you know, my, our, you know, kind of my best friend on kind of put the song list together. He helped kind of really orchestrate and again be the musical director with it and and helped kind of put people to task and 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 rehearse it and put it together. So. Um, you know, it's, it's, but it was, it was great. And, and it actually gave me an opportunity for me and Frank to, to, we did a short little altitudes and attitude set where we played a few of our tunes right ahead of that to kind of open the show up and kind of warm the crowd up. And then we just rolled right into the kiss jam, you know, but, and, and like I said, you know, Tom and Doro got a chance to sing together, which then now led to them working on this no cover record together. So, you know, I always say, man, it's a, just say yes, man, you know, musical yeah. friendships, once they start, they, they, they often keep going forever. And, yeah. you know, I'm really lucky that, you know, my, I've been playing professionally my whole life, but, you know, certainly, certainly since we started Megadeth when I was age 18, you know, most of the people that I've, I've got a whole community of people, we all grew up together, you know, around each other, you know, some big four members and guys in Overkill and Testament and whatnot. And it's, so it's, it's nice that those are my, kind of, those are my neighbors next door that I call to come and play on records together. And they call <laughs> me and it's, 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 you know, it's fun to bring Tom into that too, because, you know, Tom's had his own career in the, in the business, often with some younger, you know, kind of more nineties and early two thousands musicians. So we've gotten a chance to work with some of them along the way as well. So it's, it's, it's fun to just be able to call your friends up and it, it just so happens they're famous. Um, but the fact that they're famous is always secondary to the quality of their work, you know, sure. and, um, you know, so to be able to call people who know their way around, you know, they know how to make records off campus because this was not a record we were able to all meet, at you know the record plant in LA and make a record you know this is a record yeah, everybody sure. had to do remotely and everybody in our world and our wheelhouse is all set up to be able to you know have home studios and and record at home so it really was just a magical moment that this all came together like this yeah no I mean it seems like it's great for the album and 
<clears throat> obviously Frank had the uh, the right thinking there that uh, if you tell people there's going to be a kiss jam, you yeah, know, you're going to have right. to fight. A, you know, you're going to have to tell people, well, we can't have everybody on the boat. You know, as part of <laughs> yeah. it. So uh, yeah, that so that was that was exciting and it, and it was interesting that uh, that Beth was the uh, was the choice that you guys had. Uh, Tom, how was uh, singing God of Thunder with uh, Chuck from Testament? Did you guys go back and forth or? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was fucking awesome, man. It was fucking awesome. I mean, and, and he getting to do anything like that. And I, I've said this in other interviews. I mean, that Kiss Jam really led to a lot of the stuff we did on No Cover. I mean, again, that's when me and Charlie really connected and, and, and we all kind of started musically, you know, collaborating and Doro. And, and it's funny, a lot of the, the camaraderie and a lot of the things that led to No Cover came from that. So yeah, but yeah, singing with Chuck was amazing. Singing with Doro. I mean, I'm a huge Kiss fan too. And I, I love Testament. And I, I mean, look, man, all these bands are, yeah, my favorite fucking band for my whole life. So, you know, to be able to yeah. collaborate with them and, 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 and to be able to honestly like hang at their level. I mean, that's an honor, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, yeah, getting to do it on the ship, do it for the record. I'm sure it's a, uh, it's all fun. And it is a great way. It seems to uh, be able to pass the time when, you know, you can't go out and do shows Well, you can still, you know, kind of jam with people sort of in this, weird technological uh, way to do it. Now the album we're talking about, of course, is no cover. And I was reading about how, you know, there's, you can pre-order it uh, with Indiegogo and there's some, some of those very interesting incentives that they do for any of those kind of uh, crowdfunding. Uh, and I thought uh, some of them were, were interesting that you could get a bass lesson from Dave, uh, David. Uh, and then uh, of course there was uh, the one that I liked was be a roadie for a day. And there yeah. was one that the, the one that was like mm -hmm. the one that cost the most money was, was like a, a stage used uh, base and that one was already gone so you know yep. you just it's yep. interesting you're like some of the you know some of the the middle price ones you're like okay yeah they, you get a couple people and then the high price ones people are like well i need that you know so yeah. i think that it, it's an interesting way to like yeah okay you want the new record how about this other stuff you know and, well uh, my my hero steve jobs always said people don't buy what they need they buy what they want and, and sometimes yeah. they want the most expensive thing not because they need it they just yeah. want it you know and yeah and, and hey, more people should have bought roadie for a day because you could probably just oh, be yeah. a virtual roadie and you wouldn't even have to get your hands dirty. You could probably just roll out of bed in your pajamas and be a roadie. Right. <laughs> that's like, I'm going to check the, that's me yeah. being a virtual yeah. roadie right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a great point and, and it, it does speak to that. Uh, Tom, because you have a uh, Spider-Man stuff in the background, I'll mention oh, yeah. the uh, impulse buy that I had not too long ago, but uh, I saw a copy of amazing Spider-Man 121, which for people who don't know, that's when Gwen Stacy died. And it was for $200. And I was like, no, that's too much. And then I thought about it the whole rest of the day. I'm like, yeah, $200 for a comic book seems crazy. So I went back the next day and bought it. Tell you what, man, I, I'm at the point now in my record collection and certain things where all the records I need are $100, $200 sure. records. You know, you, you, you just, I, I always say, look, the time to buy shit is when you see it. I don't regret anything I've ever bought. I regret right. the shit I didn't buy. Exactly. That's, That's a good quote, dude. That's <laughs> awesome. Thank you. You should make it make that the title of this podcast. Yeah, I, th <laughs> I think I'm going. To. You should definitely, definitely put a clip of Tom saying that on the Indiegogo. Yep. I don't regret the things I bought. I only regret the things I didn't buy. You're gonna yeah. regret not being a roadie for. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and now the, the Indiegogo is done, so you can't even be a roadie for a day. Oh, uh, you can't even do it. All right. Well, no, then, you're done yeah. for the next time. 
and before we uh, we wrap it up, uh, David, I wanted to, the last time I talked to you was right before the OSA Can You Stream event. I wanted to find out how that went and also give you a chance to talk a little bit more about the Ellison Youth Music Foundation. Uh, yes. Um, so the foundation, uh, actually, Tom and a uh, and actually one of our board members uh, for the foundation, uh, Donnie Schoenrock, who owns a really terrific uh, uh, restaurant called Cat's Hog Heaven. It's a barbecue restaurant back in my hometown of Jackson, Minnesota. They, uh, I had gotten um, inducted into the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is just 30 minutes over the border into Iowa from the little town of Jackson that I grew up in. And around that same time, Donnie and Tom were co-conspiring a, a, little, a little gift for me, which was um, on October 9th is now officially proclamated as David Ellison Day in uh, Jackson County, nice. in the city of Jackson. And, and it's, um, it's coming up, man. It's coming it up. is hey. coming up. It is coming up. That's I know. Yeah. We've been maybe, trying to put some things together for it, but obviously with pandemics yeah, and yeah, yeah. whatever. Maybe, 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 maybe we should fly to Jackson for the day. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we could. We could almost drive there. <laughs> try, try. We're going to Jackson. We're going to Jackson. Um, when they when they told me this, um, you know, my first thought was, um, how, you know, obviously awesome and thank you. How do we go kind of to the next level of using that day as a platform and kind of a springboard to create? Um, I always wanted to have a foundation of so, of some sort that could that could be of, of a charitable nature. You know, we've been, as you can see behind me, I've been blessed with a, with a, with a pretty amazing career. And, um, you know, I heard, I read somebody say, and I don't know if it was a coach or if it was some business leader, but, you know, he said, he goes, you know, if you just live your life every day for you, when you die, it's over. But if you live your life, always giving back and extending these things out to other people, when you die, your life continues on. And that's called legacy. And that really hit me. And that was really just a couple of years ago that I saw that. And it really hit me that it's, um, you know, my father, we have a farm in, in, back in Jackson that, that has been handed down for generations. Uh, the first Ellison, when he came over from Norway back in the 1800s, bought some land. Um, and that farm has expanded and grown. And, you know, my family now has a piece of it. And, um, and, you know, to me, that's the legacy. And that's what ties me back to Jackson, Minnesota. You know, not only did I, did I, you know, leave there and go out and become a rock star, but I grew up there. You know, that town raised me. The churches, the schools, and the fine people of that community, they raised me, you know. And um, so, you know, Tom really had this, this vision with even with the Ellison Coffee Store that we opened up there was to bring, because we're both Midwest kids, so how do we bring sort of this Hollywood life that I got to live. How do we bring this back home to the people of Jackson? And yeah. so this foundation um, between me and Tom and, and Donnie, you know, we formed this foundation and, and we launched it there on October 9th. We gave back some through Jackson guitars and Harky amplifiers. We gave some equipment back to the Jackson school system. Um, and what Tom and I found uh, that, you know, the Grammys, they, they formed the Grammy Music Education Coalition. So they immediately brought us in under their umbrella to help promote our foundation. And one of the things we found is that there are, you know, there are a lot of rural areas where the music education programs are really suffering. Um, and they go largely unnoticed because they're very small populations. And uh, 
Um, you know, I think as we've moved into 2020 here, um, Tom literally right at the turn of the year said, you know, I really want to spend some time this year on our foundation. I feel like it's, it's, it's time has come. And no sooner, two months later, the pandemic hit. And Tom called me up and he said, man, let's, let's get to work now and let's start to do some free lessons to people because schools are closing. Kids are going to be freaking out. They're going to be sitting around bored because again, Tom and I being Midwest kids, you know, snow days are fun for a couple of days and then you start to lose your mind. Yeah. Try, try a snow year. So right away we started the schools out initiative and Cisco came to us with a wonderful grant of equipment and, and platforms. They gave us amazing stuff like this. Yeah, these big monitors and things oh, yeah. that we have. You know, I got one right here as well, so we could give lessons and we could, and we, again, that's, that's kind of initially before this cover record when we reached out to Nita Strauss and Bumblefoot and, you know, Chris Kale from Five Figure Death Punch and, you know, a bunch of our friends and just said, man, would you be willing to donate a little of your time to give some lessons? And, and I think one of the things we found um, is that, you know, when we're, when your own world is kind of crashing in with the pandemic, um, tours are canceling and all this stuff. When you start to help someone, suddenly your problems become much smaller and they kind of work themselves out. You know, these tours, all of us are had tours that have been canceled. We've had recording dates that have either been pushed back or, you know, indefinitely rescheduled. And so, you know, it's funny, I think as a community, and I credit Tom with this, he right away said, let's let's pull this together and make it happen and and for me just because i go well look i'm just one little dude with a base here i'm calling my friends and i'm dragging them into it so i called to grasso and we had bumble and nita and stuff and dirk, and, and dirk, dirk and, yeah, and, and and even kiko and it really created this community we, we really brought people together in a time of of pandemic chaos in our own lives in our own career and I think from that, you know, that led to no cover. And it's just really been expanding yeah. all this, this. And oh, say, can you stream what you asked about? And what was amazing, man. I mean, look, it was a lot of work to put it together, but it was so rewarding and so many people supported. And it was so great. We actually did a follow-up a week later because there were some people that we couldn't even get on the first one. So we did the, the, the oh, say, can you stream makeup test the following week and had a bunch of more amazing people, Mark Tremonti and Head from Corn and, all the, you know, the first one we had Alice Cooper and I mean, it was just phenomenal. I mean, yeah. such a, you know, all the Anthrax guys and Rob from Volbeat and Alice Cooper, as I mentioned, and the Good Morning, yeah. Good Mythical Morning guys from YouTube and just so many cool people rallied to support what we were doing. And it, I mean, it was, again, it was a, it was a, it was a great pivot, I think, to kind of just move to this more individual one-on-one -on -one thing and again it was all just influenced by this pandemic and what was going on in the world you know so i think we've i think we've really brought a lot of people together and and, and shared a lot of light in a really dark weird time you know yeah no absolutely and uh also for uh people's reference it's ellefson youth music foundation.org and uh you know i think that uh it's uh it, it definitely seems like a good time and you know you you referenced uh alice cooper I, I guess he's you know he's probably practically a neighbor of yours david uh some he is <laughs> yeah he's pretty much the mayor of phoenix you know it's, and, and it, it seems <laughs> like it, yeah. and you know he also started his uh foundation the solid rock foundation yeah. And they've been very successful at it. You know, he's done an annual Christmas concert. Mm -hmm. He does an annual golf uh, golf tournaments. And, of course, the golf tournament. Da David just started 
David just started playing golf just so he can play in the golf tournament next year. <laughs> I, I, I say this. I've, t- I've, I've taken up and quit golf twice, so I've taken it up a third time. We'll see how long it lasts. My kids play now, so they keep they, me. They ask me. They ask me every year, does David play golf? I'm like, no, not really. Yeah. Now I do. Now I can say I actually bought a set of Callaways and I'm good to go now. So now I can. Well, you, you reference him being the mayor. It seems like a good time to point out that uh, I'm wearing the uh, I want to be elected <laughs> shirt, which. Uh, of course it's true. It's true. When, when they want when they want to, like, light the Christmas tree downtown Phoenix, they don't call the mayor. They call Alice. You know, <laughs> he's, he's the guy, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, I do appreciate talking to uh, both of you about No Cover. Uh, I know it's out. I think it says October second. Actually, uh, we're uh, it's gonna we're actually gonna push it back. I mean, the okay. whole. Yeah, I think November twentieth is actually. I okay. think everybody who pre-ordered is still gonna get it in October. Okay. But the actual street date, we actually just, you know, obviously my heart thing took us out of commission sure. for a few weeks, and it just, and then we did a deal with Japan and some bigger deals for this record. So again, we just want to give us enough time to make sure it comes out properly and everybody has time to market it. And yeah. So it'll be, a, it's actually going to be kind of a nice, cool year end release, yeah. which actually is pretty cool yeah. because the whole, again, where it all started kind of the loop, you know, to conclude where we started, you know, the whole thing of, of us just looking at the year and watching most of the year just go away. I, I feel pretty good that we've got a nice year end a year-end release, you know, that is cool. It's celebratory. It's fun. It's uplifting. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, we, through, despite all of the adversities of the year, we were able to really pull the community together and, and, and everybody joined in and made a kick-ass record. Yeah, no, I'm uh, looking forward to hearing more of it. And uh, I know that a couple of the songs can be found on the David Ellison YouTube channel, uh, just sort of, you know, yeah, like, and, 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 and there's like a, Eric videos or whatever, but they can still a, find them there. Yeah. So All the songs camp, that are out, you can are on Bandcamp. Exactly, okay. it's AllisonBand.bandcamp.com or something. I like you can find it on David's page, or but I'll, I'll send I'll send you the the yeah, oh, the great. whole record. Well, uh, before we actually go, Tom, you said earlier the great quote about you don't regret anything you buy, and I, instead of having you run around your office and show me a bunch of stuff, is there something that immediately comes to mind that? maybe it wasn't affordably priced, but uh, you have not regretted buying it every day. There seems to be a lot of great collectibles in there. Uh, there go are. You, you know what? I hate to say it. Most of that. Here, let me grab something. Hang on. You guys talk for a second. Okay. <laughs> I'll show you one that I... <laughs> oh, so, so that's interesting because now I'm we sure see ourselves. Yeah, exactly. The reflection of his yeah. mirror. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Hey, you can see yeah, that. There shirt. we are. Nice, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, obviously, uh, and for uh, all your David Ellison needs, you just have your own website, David Ellison. Yeah, davidellison.com. Yep, exactly. Everything goes there. Obviously, our Facebook slash David, Facebook.com slash David Ellison. Twitter's Ellison David. Instagram is David Ellison Base. So, you know, where we put it one place, we end up pushing it out everywhere. So, right, exactly. Um, yeah, so either, just- either the Facebook or davidellison.com, all the social media stuff pushes through there. Right. And in terms of pushing things off till next year, you were talking about, you know, you guys have been working on a, a studio record sometime yes. in 2021. Yeah. In fact, we're, we're literally working on it today. Um, Andy Martin Jelly. Tom, when Tom was here in town, we went over to LA to go shoot the video for Alviterzane with Al Jorgensen, and we came oh, cool. back here to Phoenix. We actually did a live stream from our house, and we actually ended up writing three songs uh, those couple of days Tom was here. We went down to the studio here in town, and we tracked some demos of them. So Andy is over in Italy sending files back. So usually I wake up in the morning, and I look at my WhatsApp, and he's pushed through a bunch of, hey, check out the new version of the oh, song. Cool. So yeah, it's great. It's really productive. You know, we're always kind of working 24 yeah. hours around the clock. 
um, and which has been great. So yeah, that, that record's really, it's, yeah. you know, it's interesting t- doing the no cover project pulled us away from the original record, which I find is often good when you're working really hard on stuff to just step back. It's kind of like when you're kind of looking for the puzzle, the piece of the puzzle and you can't find it and you step away and you go get a cup of coffee and you come back and the piece has been laying there the whole time. You just couldn't see it. Right. I find that that I think was probably a good perspective for us to get on the, on the actual uh, original re- solo record that'll be coming out next year, um, 2021, um, is we got a chance to step back and listen to it with fresh ears yeah. Um, realized the strength. And we, and we got a chance to step back and make a bunch of different music too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is nice. Yeah. yeah. And wh- one thing with no cover is the songs were already written, right? So yeah. obviously, you know, <laughs> a, a year of writing was already done for us because these songs were written. But you also get the scope into a bunch of different artists again: Queen, Judas Priest, Motorhead, and you realize the greatness of why these songs were so great and why they've stood the test of time. And and I think probably for me and Tom to get to go back and go why at age 11 or 12 did this song really impact me? And it still rocks my world today. And you re and, 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 and I think when you're writing original material, I know we've always done this in Megadeth is we don't want to write songs for the times. We want to write songs that are timeless, you know, and that is a very different skill set, and it's a very different approach to writing a song. Anybody can sit down and write a song about COVID-19 right now, but hopefully in two years, no one will give a shit because it'll be over. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, again, that's the thing. So when you're writing things that are timeless. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's nobody yeah. wants. When you're writing things that are timeless, you're writing about usually the humans, the human struggle, the humans, you know, the things that are human, because those will always resonate with people forever because times may change, yeah. but people never do. Yeah. And then and that's kind of where I write too, as, as a lyricist. I mean, everything I write is, you know, it's not like I'm writing topical you know it, it it's more personal and, and and reflective and stuff that i think people can and i'm sure you've probably heard simple truth and, and some of the other stuff and, and it is i mean again it's this record is so great but i mean no cover is awesome but i mean i'm really excited about the about the stuff we're writing and, and recording i mean it's i the people who've heard it i mean their minds are just fucking blown you know it's not mm-hmm. at all what you'd expect it's not a simple thrash metal record it's just really textured hard rock I mean, it's really an, an, an incredible. And somewhat record. progressive, you know, some yeah. really cool stuff. You know, cool. Andy Martingelli is a vice president of a music school. So his, I'll send him the most simple boneheaded riff, you know, <laughs> and he will really turn it into something. And, and that's great collaboration, you know, where, where you know, I, I can start the first drawing on a whiteboard yeah. and he can jump in and really you know, mathematically take it to a place that I just go, wow, I, I would yeah. have not gone there with that. And, and so he makes me better. And, and I think I, you know, you know, again, by the kind of the originating the ideas and then Tom will come in and just, just take it to another place. And I mean, that's, I, I love it. I love that our band is collaborative. I've, I, I am a collaborative person and I, I, I like to share the creative journey because it's a feeling when you create something together, you go, Oh man, it's freaking awesome. That's a great take, you know? And it just, yeah. it just brings, you know, power and shivers to your skin. You know, you go, Oh God, it's dude, it's freaking awesome, man. Like that to me, that's the connection. And that I think where we're always striving to go with every song that we write together. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, to your point about, you know, things being timeless, it's something that uh, I've thought a lot about in terms of, you know, working with and around a lot of, you know, comedians, you hear about a lot of them, you know, when they start performing again, it's like, oh, yeah, everybody's going to have like five minutes about uh, pandemic and all that. But then after those five minutes, nobody's going to want to hear about it anymore. It's like, yeah, okay, great. I'm right. glad you've been sitting yeah. on this for six months. What about like, <laughs> why we like you, you know? So, yeah, right. We, you know, we, you, nobody's going to want to buy the album from the band that has like 12, we're all in this together songs. You know, it's yeah. like, no, how about a couple of songs about how we hate each other? You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, writing, I'm writing those, the songs about how I yeah, hate oh. everybody. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So, so Tom, when so you ran off, what did you, uh, what did you find there? So from this, this is something that I, uh, one of my acquisitions that was not again, again, but it's one of those things you don't have any fucking choice. So this is, I don't know if you can see it. Let me see. Let me get up. It's in a it's in a nice frame and it's got an envelope on the back. So. It, it is. That is the certificate of authenticity. Very nice. Let's see. Let's see if you can figure out a way to see some. Uh, oh, it looks like a, it says Jim Henson. Looks like a, is that a Kermit sketch? Yeah. Hi from Kermit the Frog and Jim Henson. Wow. Kermit sketch. <laughs> and oh, that's I, cool. That's very cool. And I being uh, you know one with a Kermit tattoo on my chest. Wow. I mean, again, that like that again. That was just one of those things where it was like it was not really cheap, actually. You know, but I got a really good one of my friends works for a, worked works for worked for Disney, and mm -hmm. it's funny he lived here and he was moving. He moved here because his dad was sick, so he was moving back to California. So he just wanted to get rid of a bunch of stuff, and this was one of the things in his collection. He had a couple other, that they're too big that I can't bring them in and show you, but they're equally epic. Uh, one, I have a I have a Deadpool cast. You know, nice. movie one sheet signed Very by the good. whole cast and Stan Lee. You know, I have, I have a couple yeah. pretty cool, weird. But again, oh, and, and I bought this. So I'm going to put this in a shadow box with this, the Kermit and Jim Henson. Oh, very cool. Funko yeah, Pop. So that's my, that's my plan for this. So. Which kind of looks like you, just looking <laughs> at that. It's actually the beard. It's got kind of... Good. It's the it's the Tom the Tom Hazer. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Well, guys, thanks so much for being so generous with Love your time. You know, I I I was like, all right, I'll only bother them for like twenty minutes, but here we are. It's been an hour, and uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing the whole record and looking yeah. forward to people being able to hear it. And now, when you guys are able to tour for it, there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of uh, wait, tough wait, decision making. We do have we do have three shows with Saliva in Texas, Louisiana, October. 30th, we're in San Antonio. On Halloween, we're in Slidell, Louisiana. And on November 1st, we're in Houston. So you can find those dates all over the place on our Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of the thing, you know, when we were first, uh, when I was first doing interviews during, you know, uh, lockdown, quarantine, whatever you want to call it, nobody had anything. But you're starting to hear from people. Uh, I've, I've referenced this a couple of times. I was talking to this guy, Randy Randy's in uh, Autograph. Autograph. Oh, yeah. And I was saying like, oh, so you guys are going to tour next year? He's like, no, we just played last weekend to 7,000 people outside in Colorado. Yeah. You know? yeah. So there are gigs. It's just, uh, you know, I, I live in Los Angeles. Uh, we don't even have movie theaters. So we're, right, we're just there. Exactly. I mean, look, and, and, and that's the thing. Like we're talking about, we're doing these shows in Texas. They, they only sold half capacity. Sure, They're in yeah, yeah. kind of bigger rooms. We're taking all the precautions we can. I mean, we're going <laughs> to keep the meet and greets and everything kind of socially distanced and try and keep it as safe as possible. And we're, we're talking about in, you know, November, December, going out in the Midwest and the East Coast, some places that are slowly opening back up and just doing some Look, I'd rather be out doing smaller shows and doing something and bringing joy to people. Look, the reality is David's in one of the biggest bands in the world. They tour constantly. So we get this one, I get them for this one little window when Megadeth isn't on tour. 
So I, I, I want to do as much as I can, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and so does yeah. David, you know, so yeah. we, we have this one little window to sneak in whatever we can in between Megadeth stuff. So that's kind of where we're at, you know? Well, they can uh, find all of that, all that information on everything that we've been talking about for the past hour. Uh, just go to davidellison.com, all the other places too, but you can uh, yeah. always start there. Yeah. David Ellison, Tom Hazer, thanks so much for uh, chatting with me, guys. I really You're welcome, it. Christian. Oh, wow.